Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined today by Inside Texas publisher, uh, Eric Nolene. It's our weekly segment that uh, we like to call State of the Program. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Before we get started, I want to remind people uh, to please consider subscribing to Inside Texas. Uh, it is a uh, updated multiple times a day with news and information on recruiting and team uh, on the web at InsideTexas.com. Eric and I both are there on a daily basis. Uh, Eric, you wrote an article today that I wanted to get into that I thought was uh, interesting. Uh, but before I get to the, the, the guts of it, what I want to ask you about is the choice for your title. You wrote uh, the questions ahead of the year before the year. So that title in and of itself means that you don't expect next year to be the year. You expect the year after this coming season to be the year. Correct. Yeah, I think they have too many questions that aren't going to be answered until they're in the middle of the season next year, you know, all the way through. Um, you know, there's just <clears throat> across the board, every position except for uh, uh, running back has questions. And there's questions on the coordinator side of it on defense as well. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I know uh, a lot of time the websites get get uh, accused of pumping up the fan base and all that to sell subscriberships. I like to keep it as honest as possible, as, you know, as honest as I know it to be. I'm going to share what I know. And, and what I know is that, you know, the... Um, it's not while it's not a very young team, the best players are going to be highly inexperienced. Uh, and so it's, it's hard to have really high expectations. Now, optimism might come in the form of what's happened externally. You know, the, the, the conference is going to be down. Uh, there is reason for optimism. You know, they were a quarterback away from having a much different season last year. And if yours is the guy, then, then, then of course, they can compete for the Big 12. But the team in two years is going to be a whole lot better than the team next year. Yeah, I, it was very interesting. I, I talked with Joe Cook uh, and Justin Wells over the weekend. And we were talking about the Texas football schedule this coming year and how it, it there are some aspects of it that, that play into Texas's hands sure. and some aspects of it that don't. The thing that I would uh, that I like about it is there's no two back to back road games except for one aspect of the season when they uh, have a uh, week, a bye week in between the two road games. Yeah. And so I, you know, yes, Alabama comes to town. Yes, that you can chalk that up as a an L most likely. Um, hey, I, I just saw Zach. I just saw Zach Zach Calzada beat uh, and uh, uh, Alabama, so I'm not writing that off entirely. <laughs> yeah, but it may be <laughs> that's fair. That that's fair. Um, but I I think that the Texas defense. Uh, does not have the firepower that the AM defense. Yeah, I, I won't. I won't be picking Texas by any stretch. But I'm not. You know, I'm, you don't. I'm not. I see. I see people already letting their offseason get ruined by that game. You know, just who cares? Enjoy the offseason and enjoy the the, the buildup of the program. Uh, and and whatever happens on that night happens on that night. Obviously, expectations should be tempered. But I've seen people already fretting about that game. It's just pointless. Yeah. No. I, I think I would agree with you. Uh, they start with Louisiana Monroe, then Alabama, and then. Uh, I think it's uh, UTSA. Jeff Trailer comes to town with the the Roadrunners. That's the the preseason deal. Let's get back to your article though, uh, and I think you make a good point about realistic expectations, right? Um, and your 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 idea on quarterbacks uh, coincides with my own. Is it going to be Quinn Ewers or is it going to be Hudson Card? The answer is we don't know for sure yet. Nobody knows for sure yet. The coaches don't know, right? I mean. It, we're, we, we have ideas, but until they actually get out there and play, Hudson Card was playing a little bit better as the season ended last year. Right. Looked like he had gotten some, some – uh, his feet under him, for lack yeah. of a better term, right? 
At the same time, we, you and I both think that Quinn Ewers is, you know, extremely gifted. Um, and so uh, what does that mean? We think it probably means better quarterback play overall for the Longhorns. Is that your take on it, Eric? Undoubtedly, it's going to be better quarterback play. You know, I know a lot of people already write off Hudson Card, but, you know, the light switch can come on uh, at a moment's notice. <clears throat> Uh, and, and you never know. Sometimes it doesn't always come on. Now, I'm not saying it's, it's guaranteed to come on, but it, it does. It can happen at a different time. Everybody's on a different developmental curve. And I think Quinn Ewers could have played well last year as a true freshman. Honestly, I think he's one of those guys that could come in. Uh, you could see those guys from a mile away. Shane Bouchel, I knew, could play as a true freshman. Sam Ellinger, I knew, could play as a true freshman. Obviously, they had their issues, uh, but they weren't terrible as, as true freshmen. Quinn Ewers would have been more than serviceable, I think. So I think at a minimum, he sets a high floor for the program. Um, but I think Hudson Card does too, uh, as well. You know, his, uh, he just needs to get his sea legs under him and more confidence, I believe. But the passing traits are there, and they're going to be aided by having more skill talent. Uh, and, you know, obviously the offensive line should be improved. It's still not going to be great by any stretch. Uh, but there's a lot more things that they could do on offense to relieve pressure on the quarterback. You know, speaking of that, the run game, right, as we segue into the, the running back situation as you went down your, your uh, position listing, um, they, they literally should be able to shoulder some burden this year. Right. Um, and I know that we're going to sit here and say, well, that's all nice, well and good until the offensive line breaks down and it's a free for all in the backfield. Um, but theoretically the run game should take some of the, be able to take some of the, the impetus or onus off of the, the passing game. Yeah. We're going to see more two back sets. I feel confident in that. Obviously the, the running back isn't just talented, but there's plenty of depth too. So you could see Rashawn out there and Bijan out there. And then, you know, maybe both of them are, that are getting tired, you can come in and hammer them with Jonathan Brooks too. So, so they're in a good spot and uh, you know, it, it might take some of the pressure off of Gunnar Helm being a, a an immediate uh, good blocker, which is going to be the big question that I have on tight end for him, but uh, because Rashawn can, can take some of that burden off of him as well. So there's going to be a lot of things they could do. That schematic variance is going to help the quarterbacks a lot because defenses are probably going to be a little more off balance than they were this past year. You know, you, you say that, um, look, we, we're expecting great things from B. John Robinson because I think he's a potentially special player, right? I, I think that that's there. We know that, that, I mean, I think if you're a Texas football fan and you've watched Texas football in the last uh, year, you realize what Roshan Johnson means to the program outside of just his ability as a player. I mean, he's, he, you know, he, he feels like he's almost the heart and soul a little bit of the team, even though he's running second string, right? Uh, Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks had a, had a really nice run, uh, had a really nice uh, backup situation a couple, in, in a couple of games before he got injured. Uh, and then Keelan Robinson, obviously, is, is that difference maker type of guy out of the backfield. Uh, at, at wide receiver, that's been much talked about this offseason, uh, particularly after uh, signing or getting Isaiah Nayor from Wyoming at wide receiver. You mentioned Nayor, uh, but you I, I thought what was interesting about the article that you talked about, Eric, is you didn't just talk about Nayor as is he the number one or number two alongside uh, alongside uh, what uh, Xavier Worthy brings to the table. It's also the other guys, you know, what, what, what are the other guys going to look like? You felt like Jordan Whittington should be really good underneath this year uh, in that, in that setting. Yeah. I think he sets up really well to, to do damage underneath, not just because of Xavier worthy and there, but also uh, Billingsley on the outside is going to be able to clear out routes to clear out defenders as well for him. So I think, I think Jordan Whittington's also going to be uh, very effective in the RPO game, which uh, we'll see more of, I believe with Quinn Ewers or Hudson card, both of them can deliver in that passing aspect. 
so as long as he stays healthy, I really like him as that that uh, third down chain mover uh, guy that draw and, and he's going to draw safety attention too away for that that'll help out Nair. So there's all these mutually beneficial relationships. Uh, but yeah, just by the nature of, I think, I think, you know, Xavier Worthy is going to be the number one threat in every single game, but I think who the number two threat is going to differ uh, based on the matchups. Uh, you mentioned Billingsley kind of, um, you know, easy in there because you think he has the speed to stay outside a little bit and still come in line at times. Uh, you also mentioned Gunnar Helm uh, as a potential more filling that role. I think that Cade Brewer had more or less last year, or do you no, feel I like he's got Jared Wiley type? He's definitely going to be the Wiley role. He's going to be in line, and, and Wiley had his uh, had his issues, especially as a pass blocker. Um, and you know, obviously, he's going to be tested early on with those Alabama guys coming to town. That's a scary, scary thought. Uh, but he's going to be your in line tight end. He's also a pretty good receiver, but you know, his that'll be a, a secondary role for him. Uh, if, if he could become a, a a good run blocker, I think that I think that's you know he's going to be a better run blocker than Wiley. I think he's going to be a better pass blocker. But we're not going to use the Alabama game as uh, as the the measuring stick there. Uh, and then Billingsley is going to be more of the brewer as far as the move around piece. He'll be offset. He'll be flexed. They'll move him around. Uh, and he's going to be fine in that blocking role. A, a part of he's going to be an effective blocker just because he's such a dangerous receiver. Uh, you know, defenders are, going to, defenders are going to be moving backwards when they see him coming. And that's going to be doing half the work for him. Yeah, no, I think Billingsley is a. I mean, look, I wonder if he's going to regain his ability. I mean, you you feel like, hey, with Sark and and and. Uh, Jeff Banks, uh, under his tutelage, I guess is the word you used, I, I think that you feel pretty confident there. I'm co always concerned when a guy regresses at, at any point in his career, regardless. Yeah. I think I have a little bit more trepidation uh, there, but not to say that the, the, the ability isn't there, right? All right. Well, you like, to say, you like to say that uh, you're going to say it later in this thing that defense travels well, I think, when we talk about basketball. I think athleticism travels well, too. Uh, and I think it's just going to be uh, uh, I think it's just going to be whether or not he gets his targets and we know he's going to get his targets and, and with targets will come confidence, I believe. Gotcha. Um, on the offensive line, your take was the key element, in your opinion, was moving Christian Jones. I, this is what I took away from you. one of the key elements, not the key element. One of the key elements you feel in making the Texas offensive line significantly better is pushing Christian Jones to right tackle if possible. Why is that? No doubt. I think he, he's going to be a better uh, outside zone blocker, and I think he's going to be a better uh, zone blocker. He's, uh, he's just got more size and strength than, than Carrick does. Carrick is nastier, and he'll fight you for sure, uh, but he just doesn't have – he just gives up too much strength at the point of attack. Uh, and I think Christian Jones has better reach, and he's, he's a decent athlete on the move on the outside zone as well. Uh, so, you know, obviously for them to be able to do that, Kelvin Banks is going to have to win that left tackle starting job. And I think there's a good chance he does after the Bama game. Oh, interesting. So not trial by fire so early, potentially, uh, but maybe work him in afterwards. Um, what about the interior? Other than Jake Majors and Junior Angelau, I guess it's the, the that third spot. We think it's Hayden Connor as of right now, right? Right. But could it be somebody else? Yeah, it could. You know, I mean, Angelou, I just don't see him being supplanted. And then Majors, you know, he's he's the leader of that unit and not just because he's the center and he's supposed to be. He's just the, he's that's he's the leader of it. So he's not going anywhere. There's not really anybody behind him anyway. So if you want to get Devon Campbell on the field, you know, maybe they try him at right tackle. Maybe uh, maybe that happens. Uh, but if not, I think he's going to be at guard and you've got Hayden Connor there. Now, Flood is very high on, on Connor. That goes back to last year. You know, obviously he fits that type that, that Flood is looking for. He's, he's giant, but he's also pretty mobile. 
Uh, and so, you know, he even might even factor in at right tackle. He got a lot of reps there at tackle last year. Uh, but I think, I think Hayden Connor's going to start at right guard. Um, and then you never know how, I mean, the, just how they want to fit that puzzle piece together, uh, the whole puzzle together. You're not looking to get, it's not necessarily looking to get every guy in their ideal spot. You're trying to get the, the best group. And how that shakes out, I really have no idea. Every time I try to predict that, it doesn't work out for whatever reason. <laughs> it, and, and, hey, I want to say this, Eric. I, I've been covering Texas, you know, for decades now, and so have you. I, you know, every time the, – the, the number of permutations on the offensive line is different than any other uh, piece right. of, of, a, of a puzzle on, on, when you're projecting depth chart. And so people are saying, hey, what, what do you think the starting offensive line is going to be? Yeah. When I see that question on the message board, I just cringe. Right. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> I'm it's, like, the same, it's the same when they want the when they want the depth chart, because it's not a like for like depth chart. You know, the number six guy is is what matters, not who the backup left tackle is, you know, because they're going to get that sixth best player out there and, and, and switch and move the line around. So, yeah, it, it makes it hard to really predict what's going to happen. So really what we try to do is, is get a handle on who their starting five are. And then who their next three are, and so you know, freshmen are going to figure into that next three without a doubt. I, here's my other piece to that um, uh, that I will say that people don't realize. I mean, the offensive line, the off season matters as much as any, as much or more than any position, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? Because if if you have a guy that has been lazy in the off season, he ain't, he's not touching the field for at least game three or four. Right, um, and that's yeah. if he's extremely talented um and so in in you and i aren't there every day to check up on what really the 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 gauge is of that so that we're putting ourselves when we guess at that starting lineup we're guessing into some unknowns at that point in time because if these kids go home for a bit in the summer you just don't know if they're they're keeping up with the work they may be telling the coaches they are etc all right um on the defensive front um you know you mentioned a couple different things about the Jack uh, and the Buck, as well as your situation, your feelings on uh, Byron Murphy uh, up the middle. Give us a, just, you know, give us 30, 40 seconds, whatever you feel is the most important takeaways from those, those, those uh, positions. Well, my, my question on the interior defensive line is, you know, we know what the floor is going to be. Uh, now I want to see what the ceiling is because for the ceiling for that, the, the interior defensive line to really play at a high level, we're going to have to see a, a motivated and effective Tavondre Sweat and Alfred Collins. Those guys, those guys have the highest NFL ceilings of you know not just that position, but some of the highest NFL position uh, ceilings on the team. Um, so a motivated, engaged Tavondre Sweat is going to make make some noise, and the same goes for Alfred Collins. If they get those guys humming, then that position grouping can become a lot better. Now we know what the floor is going to be with uh, Keandre Coburn and Moro Ojimo. Uh, not bad, not great. Uh, but but you can you can win if, if the other pieces around them are playing well. Uh, they won't be as noticeable uh, in their uh, deficiencies. Uh, and then, you know, to me, Byron Murphy is a floor and a ceiling player. We know what we're going to get for him, but also there's still more, some untapped ability with uh, him, him gaining more experience, uh, more comfortability out on the field. Uh, to me, I think he's, you know, he's the best marriage of floor and ceiling. You would like to see Collins become more uh, more consistent. Uh, same with Sweat. And then the other guys, you know, Keandre Coburn isn't necessarily a playmaker. He can take up some space. And ideally, he's keeping the linebackers clean. They all have different roles. Byron Murphy can kind of do it all to me. Uh, maybe, you know, obviously the lack of length will keep him from being, you know, drafted in the top 10 or whatever. But he can be a really damn good uh, college football player. And then on the edge, you know, they oh, – go ahead. Go ahead, Bob. No, no, no. That's where I was going to – so Alfred Collins flip-flopped a little bit there last year, right? 
necessity, yeah. Yeah. Is he moving inside for sure? That's your understanding at this point? Yeah, he's back to three technique. Uh, that's the goal with him. Um, obviously, that you know, that's they're able to do that because, A, they feel like they can get uh, a lot out of Baron Sorrell. Also, Justice Finkley is ready for reps. He's coming in with that same mindset that Byron Murphy had the year before. And then also the expectations of them getting O'Shawn Mathis. Of course, that plays into it as well. Got it. Okay. And, and as of right now, I want to I want to chime in on O'Shawn Mathis. I actually had a, a quasi update that I haven't shared with folks uh, yet, and that's that things still look good. So <laughs> I know I know that's not, but that's that literally came from somebody. I well, really there, there really is no. That's the only update we want right now because any <laughs> other update on him would not be good. That's that's <laughs> the one we want. That's all. I, that's from this morning. So take that for what it's worth. Uh, things, however, at the same time, things are not done. So. Uh, keep that in mind as well uh, as we keep going forward. Okay, you mentioned Sorrell, Finkley, um, and, and Mathis. What about the other side? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And I, I kind of wonder if they're going to put Finkley over there, um, you know, it, before he really balloons after uh, strength and conditioning. You know, in two years, he's going to look, look a little different and might probably move a little different. Um, so I, I wonder if they do try him there. But, you know, obviously it's Ovia Gofo. Uh, Derek Harris is going to get a look. Um, you know, it's it's still a little thin there. You know, that's why I think they might move. And, you know, we're going to see true freshmen play once they arrive. They just don't have any early enrollees uh, over on that position, uh, unfortunately. So uh, Gofu's going to have to learn to play the run better, and he's going to have to learn to play with more lane integrity. You know, he's, he, he ran past the quarterback far too many times and, and, and allowed free yards. Um, that was his real first experience. You know, at Notre Dame, he, was, uh, he didn't play a ton, but he's known for being athletic. We definitely saw that athleticism. He clearly has that. Uh, but he's going to have to learn how to play the run the right way. And he's going to have to learn to play under control as a pass rusher as well. So he's got the ability. He's going to play next year. It's just a matter of, you know, how much is, is he going to improve? But really, they need those true freshmen to get in there in a major way. I think Jamon Tapp is going to play next year, probably more so than I would have thought a couple months ago. Uh, I've, I've, hey, I've heard some good things about Jure Bledsoe uh, early on in his time at Texas already, too. Yeah, we should probably tell people that he's at uh, – Last I checked, he was at he's going to be at Jack, so he'll be out on that big uh, outside linebacker. Even though we all know he's going to end up at a three tech, he's basically a smaller Alfred Collins, uh, with just a giant kid that can move really well. And so, yeah, there's a chance that he plays out there uh, outside. That'd be interesting. And I think I think you know if they're going to do that, then you can you can move Finkley over, even if it is only for a, a short term answer. A lot of these guys are. Um, you know, they're going to look a lot different in three years. Bledsoe's going to look entirely different uh, in three years than he does now. But, but while he's this size, this is what Gary Patterson would do. He'd, he'd be playing where they should go, and then he'll spin them when the time's right. Uh, and I think that's what they're going to do with these guys. Got it. Um, linebacker, I, I felt you made an astute observation and one that I agree with. Jalen Ford is the guy that has everything that they want. Um, he's got the size. He's got the thickness. He can play inside as a true inside linebacker. Um, he's younger than both Luke Brockemeyer and, and DeMarvin Overshone. Uh, but, you know, you look at him and, you know, he made some good plays last year. I still go back to that play he made in the flat uh, on, the, yeah. on the pass. Uh, and I can't even remember who it was against now, but it was on the goal line where he saw it before anybody else and just basically um, negated a touchdown. Um, yeah. So I feel like you're right on, on your feelings on, on Jalen Ford. Uh, but the other linebacker spot, do they, you know, we've been talking, they need to get somebody else from the portal uh, just in case Overshone doesn't uh, work out uh, this spring uh, or Luke Brockmeyer is unable to return or, or no one else is stepping up, right? 
Yeah, better edge play is going to help those guys out a lot. Same with the safeties. You know, uh, what I mentioned in there is, you know, the, the defensive line didn't give the linebackers or the safeties enough predictable outcomes. You know, everybody knows where the ball's supposed to go based on the defense. And uh, when it, when the ball goes anywhere, uh, obviously that hurts the linebackers. And, the, and especially the further you are playing from the line of scrimmage, it's going to be harder to track the ball down. So what, what Jalen Ford did is he made plays with his eyes. You know, linebackers make plays with their head and their eyes. And then as long as they have the feet to get them there. And I think that's what's going to give him a chance to be probably the best linebacker next year. Overshown, there's no point. There's huge diminishing returns on Overshown if you can't keep him clean because the whole idea of having him out there is that he can run clean to the ball wherever it is. You know, he can make plays on the opposite side of the field like we saw Malik Jefferson doing in 2017, you know, where he's just free and running. <laughs> and you see that speed. If we can't, if we're not seeing him up to speed, then he's not being kept clean. Uh, and so, yeah, they need to bring in somebody to, you know, they're going to try Jet Bush there. I think he can be okay. Um, uh, they're going to, you know, David Benda, they're not giving up on him. And David has a good, good reputation behind the scenes. Uh, so, I mean, that's another guy that the light bulb comes on and then, you know, he could look like a, a quality starter. Um, you know, it's, he's got the ability. It's just whether or not he, he knows what to do. So Choate, you know, Choate's going to have to earn his money. You know, Jeff, you're not recruiting at a high level. Um, guys didn't play next play well last year. I can kind of uh, understand that, but there's no pass for this, these guys not developing in year 200 Choate. I got you. Um, in the secondary, lots of pieces, not a ton of distinct answers. Um, part of that you mentioned was Ryan Watts and what is he exactly? We When we talked to him and we interviewed him, he said he was a boundary corner. Right. Uh, that's what they that's what they recruited him to be. What does that mean is going to be on the opposite of him or and who's competing with him at the boundary corner? Yeah, well, the overview in the secondary first is that they have more cover pieces than tackle pieces. And uh, last year we saw that, you know, the tackle pieces were terrible. <laughs> you know, it's part of that part of that was because of the unpredictability of where the ball was going to spill. But um, so he, obviously they recruited him as boundary. You know, that's that's where that's where you're going to put your number one uh, corner. It's the one that you uh, he's out there uh, in tighter, tighter space. And, and, and a lot of times he's on an island. He's by himself. You want to let that safety kind of rob and do his thing and play the run. Uh, so he's going to find himself on an island a lot. You know, the good thing about him is they have people to test him out against in practice. You know, he's going to go up against Isaiah Nair a lot. They'll, they'll give him Xavier Worthy. And so he's going to learn, you know, but I'm sure that he's also learned a lot going up against the water receivers that they had at Ohio State. So they're going to give it a go there. Um, you know, if it doesn't work out with him there for, for whatever reason, I don't I'm not saying I don't expect it to, but they still have options. You know, they could put Jade Bear in there and probably feel really comfortable about it. Uh, on the field side, you're looking at probably Jameson, uh, but there, other guys are going to play as well. They'll rotate. They rotated last year. They'll rotate next year. Terrence Brooks is going to play next year. There's no doubt about it. Uh, and, then, you know, Nickel right now, Jaron Thompson and, and Jade Barron. Like I said, Barron's probably too good to keep off the field, uh, and safety is a little thin. So, to me, it makes a lot more sense to put Barron at Nickel and Jaron Thompson back at safety. Uh, but corner, they have a lot of bodies. The, the younger, there's younger guys that they like too that that might have redshirted last year. Jameer Johnson, they they like um, needs to get bigger and more physical. Uh, but but they have a lot of options there, and they've got you know Jalen Gilbo's on campus. He's impressing with his work ethic. Probably a nickel. Another reason you can move Jaron Thompson is Gilbo could play nickel as well. Uh, so lots of options at corner, lots of cover pieces in the secondary, but not a lot of tackle pieces at at safety. That's the big question to me: is who are going to be the guys that come downhill? Uh, J.D. Coffey is, is going to play next year. There's no doubt about that. Again, his strengths are probably uh, high, high football IQ and reading the quarterback and playing from depth. Uh, is he going to be – we know he can come up and tackle. You've mentioned it in the previous video how he punched above his weight. 
uh, but it's a little different seeing it against 215 pound running backs. So, uh, you know, it's, there's questions at safety and that's why the questions that we're talking about, Bobby, are where they're still portal shopping, you know, linebacker and, and safety. Yeah. The question, uh, this is a big one for me. Anthony cook played so well last year at times. Um, I felt at like, times. He, I, <laughs> yeah. I felt like he played really, really well. Like of all the people on defense, it surprised me. I thought he was probably the most surprising. Um, but he's transitioning or at least attempting to transition to a new role. And it's a different role because he's going to be looking square instead of, you know, looking into the backfield on the outside. And so I, I feel like that's a little bit of a risk for Texas defensively. Um, but, you know, no risk, no reward, I guess. Well, it's going to be tough to beat him over the top. So that's good. You know, the, the cover pieces in the back are going to be solid. Uh, you know, especially if J.D. Coffey is, is, uh, translates his high school game to college, you know, he, he really did a good job reading the quarterback and making plays on the ball. Uh, and obviously, you know, in man coverage, uh, he won't be asked that a lot if he's at boundary safety. But when he's in it, you know, he's, Cook is, is going to be very tough to, to beat. You know, he's got the cover skills. You know, long, he's, he's a corner just without the long speed. So he has cover corner skills, just doesn't have the long speed for the position. So they're in, they're in a good shape that way. But I, I do wonder about who's going to come downhill. And that's why Jaren, another reason, Jaron Thompson has to go there. BJ, uh, BJ Allen uh, needs to get reps there. Obviously, he can be a guy that, that can play in the box quite a bit and be that, that uh, enforcer against the run. So they're going to have – Gideon's, Gideon and Choate have the same job. They've got to, they've got to develop these pieces that they have. Uh, you know, you mentioned all this. We didn't, your article didn't cover punter and kicker. For obvious yeah. re obvious reasons, uh, Cameron Dicker leaves a, a big hole on both. It, as of right now, it looks like Isaac Pearson or Person. I can't don't Pearson. know. I don't. I've never asked him his last name. Uh, proper uh, pronunciation is is expected to be the punter. The kicker is a little bit different in that there's really it's it's open tryouts, right? Um, and and uh, Will Stone is the uh, uh, the one that's coming in uh, as a scholarship guy, but Bert Auburn also on campus. Uh, trying to win that job as well. Yeah, total crapshoot what's going to happen. And they, again, that's another reason why it's the year before the year. You know, you've got all new pieces at snapper, holder, and kicker. Um, you know, kickers, it's they're going to be playing in an entirely different environment. It's such a huge jump to go from kicking and, you know, where was uh, Stone at St. Mark's or St. Anthony's or one of those? St. Regents, I think. St. Regents or something. Or yeah. Regents, just Regents. Regents school. Yeah, some school that would never let me in is where he was. And that's, <laughs> not, that's going to tell you how small that crowd was. So, um, yeah, you know, it's it's not. And, and I'm still not convinced that Bern Auburn isn't uh, Devin Askew, if you look at the hair, man. I was, those two, are, I've never seen them in the same spot. Uh, yeah, it's going to be tough, man. I, 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 I want to talk a little bit about recruiting and a little bit about the Longhorn basketball team. Let's start with the Longhorn basketball team before we, we uh, uh, say goodbye here. Uh, basketball team uh, wins two big ones in a row. Um, and, and we talked about it, Eric. Uh, Last night, I think, was a signature win for Chris uh, Beard. Uh, they, uh, the Longhorns just showed a lot of resiliency. Um, yeah. And I, you and I were talking before the show, and I said the one thing about them is that defense travels, you know. Mm -hmm. And you can say what you want. And, and Kansas is an excellent offensive team. I mean, they put up – they shot 60% and over 80%, I think, from the line yeah. uh, yesterday. And – and still lost. Uh, Texas had Timmy Allen step up, uh, the transfer from Utah. Marcus Carr, I thought, played a, a well-controlled game, particularly down the stretch. Um, Courtney Ramey was absolute nails on defense. 
Yeah. Uh, so if Ryan, if Ryan Watts can cover like Courtney Ramey did last night, Texas is going to be good out there at boundary. There'll, there'll, there'll be a chance, right? Because if you can eliminate the other team's number one weapon on the out, it, look, I, I feel like, uh, and we've written this and talked about it. Uh, Texas has a good basketball coach now. Um, yep. And they're going to be a, a good team. Uh, they are squarely in the top four in the big 12 squarely going to be as Jerry Hamilton put it today on the message boards. Uh, it's time to start looking at bracketology because it's going to matter for this team. Yeah. They, they're in now it's about where they're going to be in at. Yeah. When uh, in the middle of the game thread versus tech, when everybody was deflated, I said, man, don't worry about this game. We're not, don't judge this team until we see what they are uh, come, come uh, March madness. And, and that's where I'm at. And, I, but I think, you know, I think that, you know, last night was, Last night was a celebration of what Texas football can be, or Texas basketball can be. Sorry, that 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 slip of the tongue will tell you. Yeah, where <laughs> you're far, at. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, how far Beard has to go, and how far he's already come in a short time. Man, I've never seen uh, I've never seen the drum like that before. You know, it was coming through on TV. It was it was amazing. Uh, it was a big day for basketball. Um, you know, I thought, you know, one thing that stood out was how good their energy was after. You know, that's that's two games in close close closer proximity than what they're used to playing. Going Saturday and then back back on Monday. Uh, and they look good. They, they play with a lot of heart. Uh, I could see why, you know, I, I could see why he plays that brand of basketball. You know, if he gets by it and he gets the players, then it, it's going to be a, a very consistent form of, of the sport where it's, there's not many, uh, you know, you're always going to be in the thick of it. And that was an awesome game that they delivered, you know, and they shot what they only 15% from three point. Everybody was complaining about that lucky bank shot, but man, you know, I'll, I'll trade you that bank shot for them shooting 25% from three point. <laughs> yeah. Know? You know, you mentioned the back-to-back games. This gives them also an extra day to get ready to go to Baylor. Um, and so Saturday, the running horns go up to uh, Baylor, uh, take on the Bears. Bears, a top 10 team right now uh, as well. Uh, Texas, uh, I think 17 and six now on the season. I, I, I may have that wrong. That's not, no, 18, maybe 18. And, I thought they were 16 and five in Lubbock. And so now they would be 18 and six. I 18 and six. Okay, fair enough. I knew I was. I don't, I don't try I, memorizing that on a daily basis in basketball is very difficult. It's much different in football where it's a once a week thing. Um, this, this is where we should probably tell our viewers that we are not the main people covering uh, Texas basketball. <laughs> no, we're not. I mean, I enjoy watching it, but you're yeah. right. I mean, I, I'm not the one that you need to be talking to. Um, recruiting wise right now, um, coaches cannot be on the road. That starts, I guess, in late March. Yep. Um but Texas is doing some work behind the scenes. Anything that uh, you, you think you want to talk about as it relates to recruiting and, and the state of the program right now? Well, I mean, I'm fine with where they're at at every single position. I do have some concerns uh, at linebacker. It's, it's a huge need in the class. You know, you always work backwards. What were the biggest needs? Uh, what were the biggest misses from the previous cycle? Uh, wide receiver would be one. I'm not worried about wide receiver because there's so many good options, and I think they're in a good place with, with a lot of them. Uh, you always want to stack offensive line. They're in a great place with the offensive line. Maybe they should be looking out of state for some unicorns a little bit. Uh, but with the in-state crop, they're in a good shape. It's it's a solid in-state crop, not great, uh, not nearly as good as last year, obviously. Uh, but there are a tons of uh, there there are a lot of good options, and, and new guys are still emerging. Ian Reed just kind of popped up in the last you know month or so, and uh, so they're good there. Obviously, you know they're still you know playing the long game on Arch. Uh, Arch is going to visit at the end of March, we believe. Um, they're, they're good across the board. Defensive line, they have good options, especially at uh, on the uh, outside, uh, at the edge. Um, you know, Ashton Porter, uh, you know, they're in good with Dylan Spencer, Colton Vosick. I mean, they're, 
they're just in a good spot. I know uh, a lot of people still want that Uri flurry like we used to see under Mac Brown, but um, I think they're I think they're playing this the right way. Um, you know, especially ahead of spring, you don't really want to get a bunch of guys in before the spring evaluation period. And and even though they can't go on the road, they're getting video. They're getting as much video from these camps as, as they can possibly, and, and still getting a good idea of, of they're still setting their board. I think Steve Sarkeesian is a lot like uh Nick Saban in that I think his big board tends to fluctuate and it, you know they might change it up about you know multiple times throughout the year whereas opposed previously it felt like once they had their big board it was set you know we're going to get Brennan Eagles no matter what because he blew up at that that camp and I think they kind of quit evaluating you know wide receiver and they would go in on those early guys Brennan Eagles Alvante Woodard you know those guys had two huge uh, early reputations uh, but better options emerged. And so I think it, there's always something to be said for keeping your powder dry, evaluating as long as you can. In the meantime, keep building those good relationships. Um, I, I felt like last year, and we've, we've mentioned this multiple times, felt te- Texas went for a more physical football player, typically speaking. Um, mm-hmm. I am being told that one of the things they're adding, trying to add more of into the mix this year will be more speed at all positions, particularly in the secondary. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, they had those guys that we, uh, so, you know, when you have that many players that you're like, hey, man, that's a good player, but I don't know if he has a speed to cover. They got to address speed. So that's a good plan. You know, we, you know, when you're already looking at corners and talking about them as safeties, that tells you right off the bat that they need more speed in the secondary. And then that, yeah, they're still looking at that physicality. When I, when I look at Ashton Porter, that's their Justice Finkley in that class. Uh, and, you know, it's a good evaluation, but I, I think that that's the right move is to find more speed and, and they need more wide receiver speed too. Yep. All right, Eric, I appreciate you, man. As always, good good interview. Uh, good talking Texas football and sports with you as well as recruiting. Uh, remember, to, uh, Eric is the uh, publisher of Inside Texas. Uh, he can be found at InsideTexas.com, uh, where we write daily about uh, Texas football and recruiting. Uh, also, uh, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel here. Uh, just hit, click on the subscribe button on the bottom right-hand portion of your screen. For Eric Nolene, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been the edition of the State of the Program on Texas Football.